0: This can be played at high volume. Live and local. Let's go a little light man, here. This is Acadiana's number one sports station. 103.7 The Game. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. We're finally time for the world famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no holds barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Oh, you yeah. Better get ready. Yeah! No! Yeah! No! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now on 1037 The Game. Welcome. Hey, yo, there
1: we go. Welcome, everyone, to Under the Dome with CD right here on 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. Hopefully, you have a great Saturday morning. Only an hour and a half. And. Trust me, I feel like this week more than ever, we've got a lot of ground to cover, and sadly, not nearly enough time to get to it all.
2: And we got a lot to cover. There's good news and bad news. The bad news is we're not gonna get to it all right here, right now. But the
3: good news is is I got the time.
1: You're damn right we got the time till eleven thirty. Obviously, LSU gonna be taking on their opponent. I can't remember who they're playing. They rescheduled it because you wound up having the initial matchup that was scheduled for noon today on the LSU women's basketball side. you wound up getting canceled due to COVID-positive test within the opponent's locker room. We'll go ahead and double-check to see who is actually playing in this contest because I was trying to figure that out before I got on the air and I couldn't quite get to it right away. yeah it's going to be a heck of a ball game tonight at 11 30 tip-off time and i can't wait to get to that when lsu women's hoops kim mulkey and and crew absolutely been doing a really good job this season and they'll be taking on the bradley braves kind of a late addition and of course we're coming to you live from the first south farm credit studios
0: baby we're looking good
1: and appreciate you listening in, however you're doing. So be it through the free 103.7 The Game mobile app, your Amazon Alexa smart speakers. Make sure you have, if you haven't already, go ahead and enable that skill if you got a brand new Alexa. And obviously, like, here's the thing, and it's really cool. Next Saturday is Christmas Day. Maybe you've bought an Amazon Alexa or a Google Home and told your favorite smart speaker to play 103.7 The Game already. Or you've got a new friend that you're getting one for. Who knows? I I don't know. It's, it's you. But I'm telling you, make sure those things are ready and those smart skills are enabled. That way, your friend that might listen to Katie a sports station way more than you do, they can get in on the action. And enjoy it in crystal clear audio, but also we got that. We've got exactly what you want. If you're around the listening area here, that is the Tower of Power. That is the FM dial.
0: The Tower of Power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a
1: monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Oh, you already know we're in that mindset today on a Saturday morning filled with a lot of intrigue because, well, we got the New Orleans Saint Sean Payton testing positive for COVID. He's hot for at least, I'd say, the next two games I'm saying at least because it's around ten days or so. But I mean, who's to say he could have a situation where you've got a basically one of those? I guess it'd be a false negative. I mean, who knows what happens? Like, but from what we can tell right now, he isn't going to be coaching later on in the week. And then obviously the Louisiana Raging Cajuns—they're getting ready for the New Orleans Bowl. But I think there's something that's a little bit more important that a lot of people aren't happy about. And I, without a doubt, the transfer portal and how things have changed so much in the last year, it's where I think it's time to talk about those troubles and figure out a way to fix it right here on this show. And that brings me to your Saturday Sports Sermon.
0: The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon.
1: And when I want to start talking about what's causing all this in the world of college football, it's in the midst of some growing pains right now. It started to mature and realize, hey, the NIL, it's a great thing for the students. But at the same time, it's ruined that integrity integrity of the game to some. But at the same time, it was kind of already gone well before that. But it's become even more so of a pain with the NIL And changing things. And the transfer portal, that's kind of how all this started to a certain extent a number of years ago when the portal became a word. And yes, it resulted in the story of Joe Burrow going to LSU and changing his entire career trajectory. This guy was a backup quarterback at Ohio State. And he turned that opportunity at LSU into becoming a Heisman Trophy winner, national championship winner, and also a number one pick in the NFL, drafted, I'd say, pretty, doing pretty darn well in year two in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's made that team a lot better. But with every Joe Burrow, there's an Elias Ricks, and he's just leaving for something better. And there's lack of loyalty. And it's made even worse by the NIL because it changes how much, you know, college athletics is. The purity of the sport I talk about. For some, it's been gone. It's officially been kind of just eroded. But I think it's been gone for a long time. But the question is, how do we go about fixing a system that's clearly been broken? The first thing I do, the first order of business, is making the portal a limited time frame. Making it a lot like a off-season or a free agency period in the NFL or any other professional league, you have to start there. And it needs to be treated that way. Let's just say, hypothetically, you could have it from January 1 to March 1. Or better yet, I think the best way to do it is January 1st through June 1st. That way you know everything is in place and you're ready to go for at least fall camp. I like the June 1st deadline because then you can set things up and within that to close the portal. It fixes a major issue where the players can pretty much pull a Baltimore Colts at any time and leave in the dark of night and enter your name in the portal in the middle of the season or heading into a bowl game. And I want to throw out another idea here, and that is bringing National Signing Day back to a one-day event. And I think putting that in December would fix a lot of those issues, in my mind. I think that would be the best-case scenario, doing that. I'm throwing that out there. Then we can also throw in, trying to fix this real quick, so we got that going on and I think you do that you have you set up things nicely that would be how you kind of start to regulate and keep tabs on how that portal is because if you have that portal just wide open anybody can just slide in at any time it makes things difficult it makes things difficult for coaches and for teams in general it doesn't solve all the ills of the portal. And I think we got to go one step further, and it's a one-pass-only-get-out-of-jail-free card, if you will. It's treated where you have one out. You can't be jumping around different programs. And I think it's going to make it easier, and there's guys that are going to be kind of—we have seen it. I mean, I think we had a Cajuns quarterback that committed a few years ago. I think that was his fifth school that he jumped to. Like, he jumped in and out of the portal like his name is Dr. Stephen Strange— I also think you have to stay in the portal and find your landing spot and not do the hokey pokey with it like Miles Brennan did not long ago. And Brennan coming back to LSU, it's great, but it doesn't sit all that well with me because who's to say that at one point during fall camp that Brennan doesn't up and bail again? Who knows? There's a lot of questions about it. It's an incredibly complex organism, the transfer portal. And that's kind of the biggest issue adding in NIL into all this because it's created a massive change and a massive kind of st- structure change, if you will. And it's created a lot of good, in a sense, the Joe Burrows of the world, but it's also been abused a lot. Regulating it and having it be treated like an offseason, I think it makes things better. Again, that's just my opinion, and if you've got opinion, I think we do have a couple of opinions right now, on the 103.7 The Game Hotline. So let's get right to it right now. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Okay, looks like that person dropped the line. So let's see who we got online. Numero dos. Hey, you're on Under the Dome. How you doing?
3: Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Uh, Yeah, I think regarding both NIL and the portal, in theory, both of them are great ideas because you have kids like, the offensive lineman that went to FIU or any kid that goes unrecognized in recruiting and they end up being really good, it's great for them to get a chance to go somewhere else and bump up and improve their draft stock by playing against better players. And with NIL, it's If there's a kid that wants to put his name on a jersey and he can sell 10,000 of them, then that kid deserves that money. But the problem with both of these are is that people are finding loopholes and they're taking advantage of the situation. NIL is being used to recruit players to school, and that that's not the intended purposes of it. And the transfer portal is being used to jump from place to place Just to get more money. Exactly. That's that's what I'm
1: getting at. There there just needs to be – my biggest thing in all this is there needs to be a lot more regulation in how things are handled behind the scenes with how the transfer portal works and how NIL works. Because, again, like what you said – and, again, I, I don't know if this is exactly why, in the case of Elias Ricks, if that's the exact reason why he left. There's nothing official that says outright that is why he left to go get an NIL deal because then if you were under the rules of, let's say, the NFL free agency or, or even NBA free agency where you have players and that's considered tampering, I think that's something that should be looked at going forward if you're going to do this NIL thing and combine it with a transfer portal because that creates a lot of other issues going forward. I'm with you. I think there need. my big thing is this needs to be regulated a lot more by the NCAA who, mind you, has created this monster and has allowed this thing to become a headache and a half and they just let it be wild, wild west. You can't do that with college athletics where you know there are guys – out there that are willing to give, in the words of Will Wade, a strong-ass offer.
3: Right, and I, I think we switched from a point of it being 100% based towards the schools to being 100% based towards the players, and we have to find some kind of middle ground in that to where it's fair for both sides because right now it's too too heavily tilted towards the players, yeah, and schools are just taking advantage of that just because they have more money to throw around.
1: I appreciate the call, man. Don't be a stranger, by the way. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that call. We got another one on the line, so let's go ahead and get to it right now. Hello. You're on, under the dome. Yeah, Clint, man. I think uh,
4: I think the NCAA is kind of just sitting back. and I think next year – well, not next year. Probably two or three years from now. Yeah. Um, hopefully not that long. The signing day is going to go back to one day. Uh, you just can't have after the season, right after the season. Coaches will – um, be switching jobs, and it's just—it's not fair to the coaches or players. I believe, especially the coaches. Um, but I think the NCAA will uh, cut back here and have regulations in the next few years, man. I think you,
1: it, I appreciate that, Chad. And for me, I think that—that's what you have to do. You have to make these regulations a thing, because if you don't, it's going to continue to be a pain in the neck to manage. Like it's already bad enough, and you've got to have people who are on point and handling that portal a little bit differently. And I think also there needs to be some issues of, like I said, it's the statement about tampering that I mentioned earlier. It's Elias Ricks is kind of the crux of all this because the reports are he left because he was getting an opportunity to take a bigger NIL deal over at Alabama versus over at LSU. I don't know how true all that is because I'm not, I'm here in Lafayette, Louisiana. That's over in Baton Rouge. And that's a bunch of rumor and innuendo. It could be completely false. I'm not going to try and tell you that it was true or wasn't, but what I'm telling you is that if this is true, then it's literally the definition of tampering. You go see what goes on in the NBA. We see it as well. I know we, they have a certain period of time when Coaches in the NFL and teams in the NFL can start contacting free agents to get them on their squad and get in touch with them. There's a lot of stuff going on with it, and it's a little – it's very messy, I'll say that much, about how it all goes down. And I want to see what happens next because is there a situation with the college football world where they're going to finally push a button and say, hey, we're gonna start regulating. It. What is it going to take? Is it going to take, you know, more and more of these guys leaving to go get bigger NIL deals? Because honestly, there are some guys that definitely deserve. I think Elias Ricks is a guy that deserves to get his money. But I'm wondering how much is too much? Like, we hear we I brought up Will Wade for a reason. Will Wade's whole situation involves money and involves making, I I, I can just tell you right now, what Will Wade may have done allegedly was illegal at the time, but nowadays it could be interpreted as completely above board. Because if you're a booster and you want to go ahead and sponsor NIL deals with so-and-so McGee, let's go ahead and just say Basketball McGee or Basketball Jones, I think that Basketball Jones works better. You have that guy, and he is a five-star recruit. You want him to come over to LSU. You can say, "Hey, get in touch with uh, T.J. Ribs. I'm going to use T.J. Ribs because they they're part of the LSU Coach Show." Let's say T.J. Ribs wants to sponsor an NIL deal where they're giving Basketball Jones a $500,000 deal a year, and that's for the four-year duration of that, and it's guaranteed. That's going to make people want to jump ship to your program. Now, again the logistics of it all and seeing how budgets fluctuate from year to year. Again, just using TJ ribs as an example. That's kind of where you're at. You don't, there's so much going on and you're also trying to compete with everybody else in terms of the NIL deals. That's what's going to make this very difficult for the average. And I say average, meaning group of five, and some of the lower-level Power Fives, like a Mizzou or a Vandy, to keep up with the Joneses. Because, again, I can tell you this right now. LSU, Alabama, Texas, and Oklahoma, all those programs, and I think to a lesser extent AM, USC, I think Michigan, Florida, this is going to be very much a measuring contest. If you know what I'm talking about, you know you know where I'm going with this. It is a measuring contest between all those programs, seeing who has the bigger money stack. That's where that's where we're at, like in this world of the NIL, and that's I think where we're going unless this thing starts to get regulated. All right, enough about that. It's under the dome with CD. If you want to continue that conversation, 337-706-0111. seven seven zero six zero one one one. We're gonna take a quick timeout. Got a quick segment before we get to Jake griffith my guy from marshall talking about the herd football team heading into the new orleans bowl contest a late night kick 815 first of all not a huge fan of that but it is what it is go cajuns we'll talk about that at 10 30 coming up next we'll talk urban meyer and more right here on 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com
0: who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD. Before he starts acting like Costanza. George is definitely upset! On 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's Sports Station. Uh-huh.
1: Welcome back to uh, Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you're having a a great Saturday afternoon. And I got to say, why not kind of cap off your weekend with some Sunday night football? Not a whole lot of football going on on between Saturday and Sunday on this fine station because, well, we have some games getting bumped due to COVID being bumped over to Monday night football in some cases Tuesday night, Super Tuesday football, which is going to be weird in and of itself, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But why not enjoy Sunday night football? Because the New Orleans Saints are taking on the Tampa Bay Bucs on Sunday night football, and that'll be right here on this fine station. Pre-game is going to be beginning at 7 o'clock, and kickoff is set for 6.30. That's the Saints versus the Bucs on Sunday night football, and you'll hear it right here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. Your home for the NFL, thanks to Westwood One's coverage of the National Football League. And I was talking about the L- LSU women's basketball game. We damn near had a triple header of, like, wall-to-wall stuff over the course of a day. Think about this. i gonna go ahead and pitch to you what we originally had planned for Saturday. We were going to have first cup, which you just heard. We should have that up on demand before too long. But we also had... This show right here from ten to eleven thirty this week, then eleven thirty pregame for LSU and their contest, which originally got canceled, then got put back on the schedule because they had a different opponent. So we have that going for us, which is nice. Then you have the three o'clock game, which was going to be the was to be the Vegas contest, which seemed like it was going to be a good one, but that got moved to a Monday night game at four o'clock. Thanks a lot, the Raiders Browns because of a bunch of COVID issues. Then you see kind of that conversation flip the script that we see us just have the Saturday night, the nightcap. So you would have had like from 8 a.m. until 11 p.m. Nothing but wall-to-wall sports. And not talking sports talk, we're talking straight-up sports. And that's something that, honestly, I think especially after 2020, when we have those days like this, it is must listen to radio in my mind. And mind you, maybe a little bias is that for all I do work here. I've been here for about seven years. So knowing we have those kind of days where the 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 sports gods kind of smile down on us and then they just dump on us a little bit with that. But it is what it is. We got Jake Griffith coming on in just a few moments but I want to kind of hit on the Urban Meyer situation again. I talked about it a lot on Thursday's show when I filled in for Jordy Holberg, which you can hear from two to four right here on this fine station, and because obviously that was the fresh news. But I want to get back to that and double back to it because some news came out earlier today to kind of that caused me to reset it, and this is coming from a lot of sources. I think the Four Letter Network broke this first, but PFT brought this up as well that apparently Urban Meyer is not going to be getting paid because the Jaguars fired Meyer for cause with the intention of not having to pay him the remaining four years of his contract. And Meyer will likely fight and try to get the remaining pay he thinks he's entitled to, but the commissioner will likely rule in favor of the owners because he wants to probably keep Khan happy because, after all, Khan is kind of one of his bosses because... Roger Goodell works for the owners. Mind you, if this was the New Orleans Saints, he probably would have done something else entirely. But that's a different conversation for a different time. But thinking about, I, I've spent the last couple of days thinking about this. He single-handedly ruined a franchise and I think messed it up beyond all recognition. There's another word I could put in in there. You can kind of figure it out. I can't say it on the air. But that's what he did. He destroyed this program, this franchise, beyond all recognition in one year. Yes, this team was already bad, but I think you all also made it worse and made it more of a toxic culture and environment from the second you stepped in. And it makes me wonder like, again, if you go ahead and, and I'll just say, like, if you out there are looking for a job, you're looking into seeing what the workplace culture is like, and what it is that fits you if you're going to go go ahead and go get a job. In the case of Urban Meyer, he is a guy that, again, his mindset is winning. Every program he's been to, he's won, and he's won convincingly a lot of games, and more importantly, he's got skins on the wall in the world of college. And I was wondering, back when it was announced, how long until he feigns health issues? Because this team was not that great. And he should have known the score the second he walked in the room and realized, hey, you know, we got to try and change this. But I got—I know I got to have some patience. But apparently there was zero patience telling coaches to defend his resume, kicking a kicker in the hamstring. Like all that stuff's beyond the pale and I think combined it with everything else that was going on, the fact that he had his team go to go back home after a Thursday night game, then stick around in Ohio, not a great look. Then apparently his last day, he decides to just bail during practice and ghost the team, like some Tinder thing, some some uh, some Tinder fling, if you will, where after you hang out, you, you hook up, and then they ghost you. That kind of thing. He basically pulled that off and ghosted the entire team. He catfished him. He pulled a Manti out. Teo, Manti Teo's girlfriend, I should say. He pulled a Manti Teo's girlfriend and ghosted the entire team. And then he got fired at 1130 at night on Wednesday. That speaks to like When I saw that Wednesday night going into Thursday morning, I sat there in amazement that it actually happened, number one. Number two, they did this almost, I brought the Baltimore Colts, They were Baltimore Colts-esque in this, trying to do this in the middle of the night when they know a lot of people are either sleeping or aren't really on their phones looking at the latest news in the world of sports. All of a sudden, you see, I mean, I can about imagine the Jacksonville Jaguars reporters saw Schefter's tweet, Ian Rapport's tweet, and everybody else was like, guys, I need to go to sleep. I was still blown away by the entire story with Urban Meyer, and that's going to be a 30-for-30 in and of itself. Just that one, those 13 games. That could very well be a two-part documentary. That alone. But speaking of the four-letter network and documentaries, YouTube TV, get it together. Four-letter network, Disney, get it together. People need to watch bowl games, but they're acting like petulant children. It's a lot like what we see every single year, or every couple of years, with local stations like TV10 and TV3, all those people, where they have to make pleas to get DirecTV to keep them on the airwaves because the fees are going up because, well, that's just the nature of the beast. You're having to make money, and these guys are wanting to take the money from the little man. But in this case, it's it's Big Giant versus Big Giant. It's Godzilla versus Mothra, somebody brought up. And it's time to just say, hey, just just go ahead and let it be because YouTube TV apparently didn't agree to a new deal with Disney and it removed ABC and the four-letter network on the first day of bowl season. Everybody's entering the portal now in terms of going from YouTube to Hulu, probably. And that's just not a great look. Good job, Google, losing out to Disney, you bunch of jabronis. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. Right after this, we'll talk with our guy, Jake Griffith about the Marshall herd, also them moving to the Sun Belt, and so much more. Because the New Orleans Bowl is tonight, I can't wait to chat him up about all things Marshall football heading into the game against the Cajuns in the New Orleans Bowl. Back after this on one hundred three seven the game and 103.7 the game dot com.
0: numbers don't lie because when you listen to under the dome with cd your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent and they spell disaster for you as sacrifice now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on acadiana's sports station 1037 the game Welcome back to Under the Dome with
1: CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com and the Hangout Music Fest. It's returning next summer to the sandy beaches of Gulf Shores, Alabama, and we want to hook you up with tickets for this epic weekend of music in 2022 featuring Post Malone, Halsey, Doja Cat, Fall Out Boy, and Megan the Stallion, just to name a few. And all you got to do is text one word, obviously, if you're... If you're driving right now, hand it over to your passenger, or if you don't have a passenger, just go ahead and make a mental note of this. Text HANGOUT to 68683. That's HANGOUT, H-A-N-G-O-U-T, to 68683. And if you want more information about Hangout Fest 2022, which will be going on from May 20th to the 22nd, go ahead and drop a line to 1037thegame.com. That's the place to be if you want to know what's going on with Hangout Fest 2022. Great to see concerts kind of back in action. Hopefully, once we get to May 20th through the 22nd, we're kind of past the whole thing we're dealing with right about now. But right now, we got to kind of shift the conversation over to the city of New Orleans, and we're not talking about the black and gold. We're talking about the vermilion and white taking on the herd of Marshall. And I always like to do this and touch base and look to see what's going on with the enemy perspective but in this case our next guest isn't an enemy at all he's a very good friend and that is jake griffith the director of multimedia at marshall does some play-by-play currently for the basketball program but i know he's done some for the football side as well probably one of the youngest rising stars in this industry i would say that is jake griffith jake how you doing man
4: Hey, Clint, great to be back on. You know, I was sitting here thinking about this. It's been, what, like five years, I think, since we. I used to do the Saints stuff, covering the training camp, and yep. now coming back on talking about Marshall football. So it's good to be back. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, exactly. And, you know, right before we came back from break, I wound up seeing something on social media of Coach Prime out there on the field riding around a little, like, tricycle. Not like not like the like, – but it's like a motorcycle with three wheels, basically. He was three-wheeling <laughs> yeah. it. And I'm wondering, does Marshall have something like that they, they ride around on before the
4: game? No, you know, a couple years ago, there actually used to be a gentleman that he had a motorcycle that he custom-fitted a fake bison. Like, it was coated in, like, fake bison skin. It had, like, a fake bison head mounted on the front, and he would ride out from the tunnel with the football team. And then I think that gentleman moved away, but that was, like, right when I first started working at Marshall in about 2017. So that was probably one of the cooler things I've seen, coming riding out of the smoke with the motorcycle, but... Nothing,
1: nothing crazy like that anymore. Oh yeah, <laughs> that just sounds amazing in and of itself. <laughs> especially to do that, like I'm, I'm sure Marshall try to get in touch with the guy because you know that would be really cool to have as part of your entrance into the into the Caesar Superdome. Try my hardest not to say Mercedes Benz Superdome, but it's Caesar Superdome now. But I'll, I'll get to the contest in a moment. But I want to kind of touch base on your thoughts on the herd moseying over to the Sun Belt Conference in the not-too-distant future, what was your reaction to that and how that may have surprised you and the fan base to see that move happen so quickly?
4: Well, I think it's a huge testament to uh, Jeff O'Malley, the interim AD. Um, there's, you know, there's been some shifting going on with the senior staff at Marshall. Mike Hamrick uh, retired. He was the long-term AD, and then Jeff stepped up as the interim. And then there's been a presidential change as well. President Jerome Gilbert, he was here for six years, and he gives away to Brad Smith who is an alum of Marshall. And so those three guys right there, they, they really did a great job of, of weighing all the options. You know, there were rumors that maybe the MAC was in play, that staying in Conference US, USA was in play, and in the Sun Belt as well. And they worked in conjunction with Commissioner Keith Gill. I, I think it's a great move, honestly. I think geographically, um, you're talking about being able to be sort of in the same footprint as a school like Coastal Carolina, as a school like uh, Appalachian State. You're bringing teams like Southern Miss and Old Dominion over as well. James Madison's going to make the jump. And so I I think that that's a great move. You know, no, I I love the people that work at Conference USA. I've worked in conjunction with them. I've called seven Conference USA League championships in my five years working at Marshall, and they're they're fantastic people. But I think the knock on Conference USA is is one that the geographic footprint is very large, and it, it takes across three time zones. You know, you look at a school like UTEP, they're in mountain time, and so I think now you, you move Marshall to the Sun Belt, which is strong in football, and we know Marshall's got a strong football brand. They're a sneaky, good men's and women's basketball conference. They're a strong baseball conference. When they bring soccer back, men's soccer, they're going to be one of the strongest men's soccer conferences in America. I, I think all of the things make the most sense for Marshall to be in this league, and then you also look excuse me, you look at the television exposure as well, and you're going to a league that has an ESPN TV agreement. And I think that's something that the Marshall fans have been clamoring for for years now since the Conference USA TV deal was renegotiated. And that's more exposure for the thundering herd. I mean, you have to look back in the 90s, Marshall and, and the late, great Dan Shoemaker, who worked at ESPN, and, and Keith Morehouse, who is the sports director at WSAZ, and he has the ties to Marshall with his father. You know, they sort of started that ESPN Plus thing in the early 90s when it was on local television, and the fans could flip on Channel 3 or Channel 8 in town and watch ESPN. And they longed for the days of being able to flip on, whether it's ESPN Plus, and it's current incarnation or two or you or regular. They long for the days of being able to flip on the television and just find Marshall athletics in one home. And I, I think when you look at all the factors, I, I think it, it spells a fantastic move for Marshall.
1: Oh no, I'm in agreement with you wholeheartedly. I mean, we were getting conversations about this a lot, you know, in the high school realm. It's like sometimes there's so many teams you gotta kinda keep tabs on and with different market different Radio stations airing different games—you never know exactly what station the home broadcast is always on. In some yeah. cases, in terms of just in terms of promotion or lack thereof, but that's a different conversation. But I agree with you. Yeah, being able yeah, to move you know, over to yeah. the Sunbelt Conference—the fact you you know it's guaranteed to be on the Four Letter Network. Unlike sometimes you're on Stadium, sometimes you're on Facebook Live. Like it's it's hard to really like peg down a certain program like a Marshall or even like a Southern Miss, another team that's potentially going to be coming over the next couple of years. But I saw a report heading into Championship Saturday, and I want to base you on that real quick, then we'll get to the game itself. Mm-hmm. But do you think there's a likelihood of Marshall, along with Southern Miss and some of the other teams, jumping ship in 2022? Or was that a bunch just a bunch of hogwash and rumor?
4: Well, you know, as far as, I don't have intimate knowledge of those discussions, but I, I do know that from from hearing everything that Jeff O'Malley, the interim AD, and Brad Smith, the the president who will the the incoming president who will take over January one, they both have said the same thing. Uh, their messaging has kind of been in lockstep, and that's that everything's really in play. I, I know that, like you said, there have been reports that that Old Dominion and Southern Miss are exploring making that jump. I, I believe Wood Seelig, the president of Old Dominion, has almost outright said that they would like to make that jump in 2022 as opposed to wait an extra year. Um, You know, there, there are a lot of factors, especially when it comes to the exit fees. Um, And we know I'm saying money makes the world go round, no matter if it's college athletics or just the world in general. And so, you know, it just, it depends, I think, from a Marshall perspective of, of if those, if the certain factors align of being able to come up with that exit fee and, and if these things can work out, then, yeah, I think they would like to make that jump. I don't want to speak for anybody. That's just my personal opinion. But, you know, like I said, it, it's I think everything's in play right now, and I think once the bowl game passes, you might start to see some more of those questions start to get answered a little bit. I know that everything's hectic when you have half your staff in Huntington and half your staff down in New Orleans. And so, you know, once once the bowl game passes and we kind of settle into that, crossover season as they call it being done where we can fully shift to just winter sports you might start to see some of those questions uh those ma- answers to those questions materialize a touch
1: talking now jake griffith part of marshall athletics and just looking at this team on the football side of things because now we're actually going to get to some actual x's and o's and jimmies and joes but what can you say about grant wells that he's put up solid numbers but that touchdown interception ratio isn't great and he's going to have to perform at a pretty high level against this Cajuns defense in my mind what does he bring to the table and how can he kind of cause fits from that Cajuns defense
4: well I think the interesting thing about Grant is that you know he you look at the roster and obviously with the COVID year and everything I I believe the roster saw him listed as a redshirt freshman but he's actually been on campus for three years so he's really starting to find himself I, I think the biggest difference from a Doc Holiday offense, which we saw Grant in last year, and a Charles Huff offense this year, is that they've really allowed Grant to be more of a gunslinger. And Grant's got a great arm. I think that's that's the biggest compliment you can pay Grant is that he's got a cannon of an arm. I mean, that dude, he can throw that thing probably 60 yards from his knee. But the, the biggest knock on him is what you mentioned, and that's the interceptions. And he has thrown more interceptions than any quarterback in the nation this year. And that's going to be a problem against a raging Cajun defense. They've already got nine interceptions on the season, and they're allowing just the 25th fewest passing yards in the country. Uh, So I I think Grant's going to have to be smarter with his ball placement in this game. And I think he's really going to have to go through his progressions. And I I think that's one thing that early on in the season he had a tendency to – He knew what receiver he wanted to go to, and he may stare that guy down just for a hot second. And I think in this game, he's really going to have to show the full mature package of what we started to see when Marshall was finding their stride in that five-game winning streak, and then he went out, of that Western Kentucky game with the concussion, which head coach Charles Huff said he will be good to go, is clear concussion protocol. So I think that's the biggest thing, is he's going to have to be smarter about his ball placement and not staring down those wide receivers.
1: And, you know, Jake, one of the other things that I'm kind of thinking about is how much does the game plan kind of change to say, hey, let's go ahead and take the ball out of the quarterback's hands with the fact that he's been that guy consistently consistent. His touchdown-interception ratio is – like you said, he's throwing the most interceptions in the nation. But I think now you got to you got to got to think do we start just pounding the ball, make it a 10 yards cloud of dust type of game to keep the time possession numbers a little bit more reasonable cuz if you wind up seeing the Cajuns, they are going to be a team that knows how to run the football and get big chunk plays. But at the same time there are moments where once a runner gets into that second level, anything could happen.
4: Well, and that's where I think a guy like Rasheen Ali is gonna come into play. You know, he's really stormed in this first full time year of his and he's, he's kinda of, I don't say taking the nation by storm, but definitely Conference USA. I mean Rasheen Ali he's six touchdowns away from tying Randy Moss's single season program record. He had twenty two. Randy Moss had twenty eight. I mean, when you start getting into company like that, you know you're having a really good season. And so they, they have a guy like Rasheen Ali and they have Sheldon Evans who spells him from time to time as He's sort of a – I call him almost a pinball. You know, he's hard to bring down. He's got that low center of gravity, short, stocky guy. Hard to bring down. I mean, he he has great feet, great awareness, pinballs off those defenders. But I think this is a game where the offensive line for Marshall can really come into play. You're talking about guys on that line like an Alex Millett who has not allowed a sack in his career. In over 500 snaps, Alex Millett has not allowed a sack. I mean, that's impressive – that's 500 snaps this year, has not allowed a sack. That's impressive. You've got guys like James McGee on the offensive line, and Will Ulmer from Kentucky, who I believe he's only allowed one sack in over 500 snaps this season, according to Pro Football Focus. But it kind of goes back into play of what Charles Huff said in his introductory press conference uh, earlier in the summer, and that's that you have, when, when, you, when you look at football, it boils down to do you run to set up the pass or do you pass to set up the run? And I think that philosophy has changed a little bit this year as the season has gone on because Charles Huff wants to run to set up the pass. But I think once they've seen how strong an offensive line they have and how strong of a running game they have with Ali and Sheldon Evans, I think it's almost a scenario in which you see Marshall, as the season has gone on, pass to set up the run. And I think that's going to be key. Early on, they want to establish that identity of can they get good push off the ball up front and allow those running lanes for Ali. Because as we saw, I mean, if, if anybody watched that Appalachian State Marshall game down in Boone, North Carolina, when Rasheen Ali gets a little bit of space and he gets into that secondary, he is a hard guy to bring down. He can turn on those jets and he can burn you for an 80, 90 yard touchdown.
1: I got about 30 seconds left, Jake. Before I let you go, what's the key to victory tonight for the herd? And want to give us a prediction for the contest tonight from your POV.
4: Well, I think it sounds cliche, but I think the key to victory for Marshall is taking care of the ball. You've seen Marshall, whether it's the interceptions or fumbles, you know, Ali has put the ball on the ground a couple of times. They have to hold on to that ball because when you give the ball back to an offense like Louisiana and Levi Lewis, the quarterback, they're going to make you pay, right? I mean, people may say, oh, Billy Napier's not there. But, you know, this is the same team that has the second longest win streak active in the nation right now behind Cincinnati. So you cannot give the ball back to Louisiana time and time again and expect to win. it goes back to the Middle Tennessee game, Marshall gave the ball up to Middle Tennessee six times. Yeah, they only lost by six, but when you turn it over that many times, you're just not going to win. So Marshall needs to take care of the ball. As far as a score prediction, you know, I'm not a huge predictor guy. Um, I hate to to leave it like that, but I think the key is for Marshall to to just take care of the ball. It sounds cliche, but if Marshall can take care of the ball, I think they give themselves a good chance to win.
1: It's all good, man. We'll go ahead and leave it on that note. Jake, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road, and congrats on all your success, dude.
4: Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me, and uh, you know, best of luck to the herd. Best of luck to Louisiana.
1: I appreciate that, Jake Griffith. Always,
4: always good to have
1: him on. I know he was on back in the day with um, uh, my good friend Alan Magel. That's what he's talking about five years ago. Because it's crazy to think how much things changed in five years. That this dude is again. I think one of the fastest rising stars in this industry, in this business. That's always great to have those kind of guys on for that perspective. Back after this with one final segment of this hour, and that is time to kind of give you my five favorite games to put some ducats on. And I might talk about the New Orleans bowl. We'll talk about that next right here on 1037 the game and 1037thegame.com.
0: The world-famous CD has a lot of thoughts about anything from the world of sports to what the right order is at your favorite eating establishment.
1: Don't get me wrong. Extra toast is always a good
0: thing, but extra fries is far superior and doesn't fill you up as much. Get in on the conversation and chat him up at 337-706-0111. Now, back to Under the Dome with CD on 1037 The Game, Acadiana's Sports Station.
1: If you haven't joined the 103.7 The Game Clubhouse Rewards Club, you're missing out because you get a chance to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Hotel. And we'll wrap up Under the Dome. Speaking of gambling and everything else going on, by the way, you can enter that at 1037 Game.com in our rewards club. Free to enter and free to join. But you can enter in r- right now for that, but if you want to go place a few shekels, hurry up and go play some shekels on some of these games on tap this weekend, including Cajuns straight up against Marshall, They're five-point favorites. I can't put them on a cover because they just don't cover all that well, and minus five is kind of tough for me to throw down some shekels on for me. UAB, I got them covering against BYU, seven-point dogs I think BYU does get the better of them, but UAB does cover that spread. I'll take the under in Utah State, Oregon State later on this evening. 67.5 point spread. That feels feels safe in terms of an under bet. Then I'll go with the New Orleans Saints covering their 11-point dogs against the Bucs. They cover against Tampa by the Bay. And I'll go the Lions. This one's, I believe, a 13-point spread. So i go the Detroit Lions covering against the Arizona Cardinals. We only got one half hour left in the program. We lead off the hour with what we normally do at 1130. Going to bump them up. And that is our guy, Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. We'll be talking Saints with him next. So keep it locked right here on a 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
0: This can be played at high volume. Live and local. Let's go, Dallas. This is Acadiana's number one sports station. 1037 The Game. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally, time for the world famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no holds barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. You You better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now on 103.7 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully you have a great Saturday morning. Saturday afternoon, I should say, right about now. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself. Coming to you live from the First South Farm Credit Studios. Here
0: worldwide
1: and you can hear this worldwide on 1037thegame.com your free mobile app amazon alexa google home however you do so make sure you keep it locked right here and even through the fm tile the tower of power that is 1037 the game
0: he is the tower of power he is too sweet to be sour he is the rap master there is no other there is no equal the man
1: and the man is right here with you and if you want to be the man when it comes to making those picks. you got to beat the man. you got to beat the VIPs and the and the experts here. And we use that term loosely of 103.7 The Game with the Twin Peaks Pro Pick'em Challenge. It's free to enter. Make sure you get in on the action today at 103.7thegame.com And it's a little bit unusual to have this guy on to start off the hour, so I just got to get his walk-up music going because that's how I... It just... It doesn't feel right if we don't play this music right here right now it's become a a tradition not a prediction a tradition at this point to have this music lead in our next guest and of course that is the one and only ross jackson part of the locked on saints podcast and canal street chronicles ross what is happening my brother on a saturday afternoon
2: hey brother doing well man glad to be here with you uh love love that we were able to keep the music going you know like you said it's tradition <laughs>
1: it's tradition and we do not break away from tradition no matter what and obviously we gotta gotta start off with the the bad news first obviously Sean Payton out with covid how much is this affecting the prep for a contest we're 24 hours out and this is a game with massive implications for the postseason because if you lose this game yes the next three. between the Dolphins, the Falcons, and the Panthers, those seem like winnable games, but you know that's something that with the Saints team, it's never a guarantee, especially with Taysom Hill under center.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, this is a very, very important game, and, you know, look, they can still lose this game, and then if they win out the last three, then they still finish with a winning record, but you're also trying to play within your division and you're trying to get to the playoffs and, and all of that. And I think that that becomes a big part of why you still look to win this game tomorrow up against the Bucks, or at least compete as best as you can. But it is going to be challenging without Sean Payton on the sideline. Uh, Dennis Allen is going to step into the head coaching duties. Pete Carmichael will take over offensive play calling. And Dennis Allen effectively will continue to call plays over on the defense. But he'll have some more decision-making uh, responsibilities and things like that that he'll have. Uh, Throughout the game, as as the leader there, taking on the head coaching responsibilities. And, you know, in terms of how it impacts preparation, I I think, you know, uh, according to um, Dennis Allen in yesterday's press conference, Sean Payton will still be, you know, heavily involved uh, virtually in terms of making sure things got installed. He was at practice on a Thursday, but wasn't there on Wednesday or Friday. So, you know, it impacts the way that you, you know, both install on Wednesday the, the, the game or your game plan and then also practice it throughout but I'll tell you what there's a symbiotic relationship here between head coach Sean Payton and the rest of this coaching staff and this coaching staff knows what it is that Sean Payton wants to see in this game and I think they'll do a good job of making sure that that's present.
1: Was Kevin James unavailable to fill in as a body double?
2: (laughs) Yeah I hear that uh you know he's He's busy shooting the, uh, the sequel, you know, they got to get the next version of this up about what Sean Payton did when he missed the game with COVID and what he did during that time. So, you know, we are yeah. getting Kevin James ready for the second version.
1: Exactly. It's, it's wild. I mean, if <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean, I'm probably not going to watch the movie, but I'm hoping they at least show a little bit of the time when Sean Payton wasn't even on the field when he wound up getting injured, where he's just up in the stands having to call the game with a broken leg.
2: Right, right. We need the 2011 precursor <laughs> for sure. The prequel. Um, yeah, exactly. That's really what it is. Yeah, no, I think I'll probably watch it if I'm being honest just because I kind of want to see if Sean Payton uh what Sean Payton making a cameo might look like in this one, you
4: know? I'm curious.
1: I'd be curious to see how that all turns out, but it's like it just feels too Adam Sandler for me at this point to like really make me want to out and out watch even as a Saints fan. It, yeah. just, it, 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 it just rubs the wrong way in terms of its energy, in my mind.
2: Yeah, we're not the target audience. Yeah,
1: exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I think one of the other questions is that I'm going to throw out there, because obviously Sean Payton was around the team in the days leading up to his COVID-positive mm-hmm. diagnosis. Is there any indications from what you've heard with some of the people you talked to and some of the sources you've been hearing about possibly this game being moved to a later date, or could this be something that affects more the Miami Dolphins' Monday night
2: contest? I I think it might potentially, if it's going to impact any game, it seems just because of incubation periods and things like that, it seems likely that if it was going to have an impact beyond what we're seeing already, that it would be something to watch for the Monday night game up against the Miami Dolphins. The fact that that game is on Monday night does mean that Sean Payton has more than enough time to be able to get his two negative tests, and be able to get back out onto the field, all of that. So I, I do think that that's good news. But in terms of any potential additional transmission and everything like what we've seen with, say, the Washington football team or the, uh, the Cleveland Browns or the Los Angeles Rams, I, I don't know that that impacts this game just based on the timeline, considering that Coach Payton tested positive on Friday. It wasn't like a test from another day that came back positive. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, the, that's what makes sense to me. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we won't get a surprise. You know, this, is, this season has been like that, that we could you know, see some type of a surprise. But um, as of right now, just because of the timing, it seems to make more sense that this would impact the Miami Dolphins game, if at all.
1: And looking at last week, we talked about it. The fact you have Alvin Kamara back in that lineup, it changes the entire complexion of the offense. But in all honesty, this offense looked a million times better than they have over the last month during that losing streak. And all it took, who would have thunk it, Alva Gamera, to turn this thing around and really show what this team is capable of even when you don't have a star quarterback or a guy that you can rely on day in, day out like a Jameis Winston. With Jason Mel in that number, he managed to make this thing look a little bit better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I like what the Saints did with the passing game up against the Jets. And and yeah, Alvin Kamara was a big part of why the Saints offense looked much better. But I also like the decisions that they made uh, in the passing game. I mean, they didn't throw the ball but three times beyond 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And, and Taysom Hill was 12 of 14 out of his 15 of 21 passing overall. 12 of 14 came within 0 to 9 yards of the line of scrimmage. They condensed the offense. They created high... Percentage efficiency, high percentage throws, which increased the efficiency in the passing game and gave them some more opportunities, including, you know, a guy like Traquan Smith, who, you know, has had uh, admittedly a rocky time throughout his career, been very up and down, has had some moments where he showed flashes and everything. But, you know, he caught three of his three passes over the middle for 33 yards in between zero to nine uh, yards of the line of scrimmage and picked up two first downs doing that and made some tough catches that way. So I think that that's the additional piece that. I'll, I'll look to see, and I'm curious about seeing if they replicate or try to replicate up against the Bucks tomorrow. Do they keep that passing game condensed despite the injuries to the secondary for Tampa? And then how does that also end up impacting and influencing and complementing the run game between both Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill? going to be a little challenging with both tackles out for this game, just like we saw back against the Dallas Cowboys. But You know, you you look at Alvin Kamara as somebody who can create with yards after contact, and I don't think that you would expect that to go away in this game.
1: I have to agree with you, especially when you look at what he can do and what he brings to the table. And obviously we've got to flip it over to the defensive side of football. I'll get to some more of the guys that that were kind of questions earlier in the week in a moment. Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm just wondering, Cam will be active for this contest, right? Because I feel like he just kind of has – Falling to the wayside in the conversation the headlines, obviously he tested positive for COVID about a week ago and missed last Sunday's contest. He should be active for this Sunday,
2: right? That is the expectation, yeah. It's certainly my expectation. I would expect he, Mark Ingram, and Ty Montgomery, all of which who missed last week on the COVID IR, to be back for this game on Sunday. Uh, The the only exception would be if they didn't get enough practice time or anything but it seemed like even mark ingram who just came back yesterday seems pretty ready to be out on the field and so yeah i would i would definitely expect that and then over on that defensive side with cam jordan coming back i think that gives you an additional piece of rotation that you really need and that veteran leadership that you need in a game like this where pass rush is going to be vitally important to the to the team's success on the defensive side
1: Okay, I was just wondering because that was something I was kind of thinking about. It's like he is, Cam didn't pop up on any of the injury reports that I saw leading mm-hmm. up to yesterday whenever you get those final kind of designations for guys who are going to be out right. or questionable or what have you. But two that popped up that I think it's absolutely going to be massive to have these guys back in the, that number, that's obviously C.D. Deuce, which, by the way, I'm wondering, do we still call him that? Because they still call him C.J. <laughs> Gardner-Johnson. And number two, Pete Warner. they are – As of right now, they look like they're going to be active. No official designation, probably until Sunday afternoon. But it looks like more likely than not, these guys will be ready to go on Sunday night. Having those guys back is probably going to be massive.
2: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, you know, getting a guy like Pete Werner back gives you the opportunity to be able to help keep Quan Alexander fresh and and and, and all. Which and the reason why that becomes important is because you use Quan Alexander for so much, right? He, he defends sideline the sideline in the passing game, but he's also a pass rusher for you. He's a blitzer for you. I mean, he, he does so much. And so when you have those obvious passing downs, and you can spell him a little bit and give Pete Werner those reps, and that helps to keep Quan Alexander and sort of extend his efficiency and effectiveness when he's out on the field. Now as for TJ Gardner-Johnson, I mean when you talk about how important, past, excuse me, pass rush and pressure is going to be on Tom Brady and the St. Bay Buccaneers, TJ Gardner-Johnson becomes a big part of that physically on third downs where they like to blitz him off the edge from the outside and everything. And so I think that his tenacity, his energy, uh, you know returning to this to this team again is going to be something that's going to be incredibly beneficial going into this one.
1: And you know, looking at the game itself, what's going to be the big key to victory for the Black and Gold tomorrow night, and getting this huge win that's going to keep you in the playoff hunt? Now, mind you, of course, there's a lot of other things you're going to have to worry about in terms of where certain teams kind of land after a <clears throat> week in this like weird kind of world we're in, where this is only like we're still got like three more games left in the season. You're in in week 15, but you're still in the hunt because of how wild it is in the wild card race.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mean, like, you, you put aside the, the the Sean Payton situation, and, you know, I just want to say, too, that obviously, like, you know, we, we wish him well in a speedy recovery and all of this. But, you know, you, you put that aside. You put what the other teams around you in the conference, uh, what they need to do, you put that aside, and you just look at simply what does this New Orleans Saints team have to do in order to be competitive and to try to upset these Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the second time this season. And over on the defensive side, I think that, the symbiotic relationship between pass rush and coverage is something to, to really pay attention to. And what I mean by that is that even if the coverage isn't solid on a specific, you know, any specific down in or out, then you you want the pass rush to be able to get there quick enough to be able to cover that up. And in situations where the pass rush can't get there quick enough, can the coverage hold up long enough to allow guys like Cam Jordan, Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata to be able to fight through their blocks and then get after? Uh, Tom Brady, deeper into the you know deeper into the clock after the snap, I think I'd say. And then the other piece of it is is create the turnovers. I mean, you look at what it is that Tom Brady has done career-wise up against the New Orleans Saints. He's thrown interceptions in over 60% of his career games against the Saints. And since he's joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, including the playoff game, the, the good game, he's only completed 61.9% of his passes, thrown eight touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he's been sacked 10 times against this New Orleans Saints defense since he's been in Tampa. So you have to be able to keep all of that up and try to keep that offense as off-balance and Tom Brady as off-balance as possible. You're not going to show him anything he hasn't seen before, but if you can get in his face, that's what becomes most important.
1: Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. Obviously, next week we won't have a show because obviously it's Christmas Day. They're not going to have us Mm -hmm. on the air on Christmas Day. So I'm going to tell you right now, have a Merry Christmas, man. Happy Holidays to you you and the family out there. And you take it easy. I'll talk to you once we get into 2022, man.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. Right back there, right back at you to both uh, you and yours, and to everybody over at the studio as well. Have, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, I'll be talking to you here again soon. Y'all enjoy and have a good one. Stay safe. All
1: right, Ross, that was Ross Jackson. Everybody, and I, I was going to pretty much refuse saying "see you next year." I'll just say 2022 because that's what it is. It, I, I was listening to Jim Rome the other day, and it got me like I was almost set, almost caught myself saying it, but I said no, I'm not going to say "see you next year." It's just cheesy. But I'll be walking into 2022 inside these First South Farm Credit Studios, talking to you about the New Orleans Saints. Not because they're in the playoffs, but because the season's still going. Because you got two more games left in the season. It's the Panthers and the Falcons. I don't remember the. No, I think it's the Falcons and the Panthers in that order. And honestly, I hope the Saints are still in the playoff contention. Because if not, I'm gonna be upset. Then again, if they win tomorrow, I don't have them winning, like I said in my fave five bets. But it would make Christmas a little bit easier because that Sunday, after, the day after Christmas is always kind of like a weird day. But if the Saints lose that Monday night game, because that's on the 27th, no, you don't know. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right, my brain wasn't thinking right. So, yeah, it's a Monday night game. So if they lose that, if they win that, lose that game on Sunday night and then Monday night they are largely out of contention. I'm even pretty upset, especially because of the fact that the saints team definitely deserved better, but this season has been an absolute curse and I'm wondering how the future is going to go for this franchise. Something that we're going to be probably talking about in the weeks and months to come. But again, we won't be here next week with you. We're taking Christmas off christmas eve as well thanks to the people thanks to the great folks at delta media for doing that so we're off december 25th christmas day we'll have nfl football a little double header action hopefully hopefully covid doesn't throw a wrench in all this because obviously it is the winter months and obviously that's when viral infections do indeed go up i know some players for the cajuns they've been dealing with the flu so it's it's not just the vid it's not just i mean don't get me wrong. COVID's bad, but it's not the only thing that's kind of floating around in these here parts. Just go ahead and leave it at that. But we'll take a quick timeout, wrap up the show in a nice little bow with one final take that you may or may not agree with. You probably are going to disagree with it, but it's my new rankings of the Spider-Man movies because I got to see the new one so it's time for a re-rank and i think the way it is now is the way it's going to be especially with the top three unless something blows me away we'll talk about that next right here on 1037 the game and 1037 the
0: just before we close up shop here on 1037 the game The famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out.
1: Welcome back. We got one final take before we get on out of here for the 2021 year, because obviously next week we don't have a show. But I want to touch base and talk about the Spider-Man movies because I got to see the newest one and I've been re-watching a lot of the other ones that I didn't, I haven't seen in a while because I saw the other two new ones in theaters and you know we'll just go ahead and throw it out there number 9 and number 8 right out the gate those are going to be Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Amazing Spider-Man 1 both these are garbage and don't deserve to be even talked about but you know they're part of the canon now So Amazing Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 1. Amazing Spider-Man 1, excuse me. Those two belong at the bottom of the barrel. Sorry, Andrew Garfield. Not sorry. Not my favorite. Number seven, I'll go Spider-Man 3. I liked it more than I did when I rewatched it this week. But it just still had moments where I was like, okay, this isn't my favorite of the Tobey Maguire trilogy. I'll go Spider-Man Far From Home, number six on my list. It's a fun movie. It kind of ties up a lot of loose ends from Infinity War and gives you some follow-up on that, which is great. And also in game, I should say. It follows up a lot from in game after Tony Stark died and stuff. And kinda also addresses a lot of the blip. All that stuff. So that was a great thing to see them kind of talk about. Spider-Man 2 is without a doubt one of my favorite Spider-Man movies it lands though in the middle of the list once i kind of really got down to brass tacks about it because there was just so many things i didn't like about it. the fact you wind up having spider-man lose his powers partway through the movie then have to kind of gain them back so spider-man 2 is right in the middle of the pack number four spider-man homecoming it was a fun like great way to establish a character and establish everything going on with him because you just saw Spider-Man show up in Civil War. There was no pomp and circumstance about it, but you get to learn more about who the man behind the suit is. And at the end of the day, sometimes that's what Spider-Man is. And he, and Tom Holland's been a great Peter Parker. So number three, I gotta go with the OG Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, Bone Saw McGraw, all that stuff. When I rewatch it, it was still just as good as I remember it. Number two. I got to go with the new one. Spider-Man No Way Home. This was an outstanding movie from start to finish. I'm not going to spoil anything, but if you haven't gone and seen it yet, go out of your way and go check it out. It is so good, especially when you go watch it with people. I know nowadays movie theaters, they've kind of gone the way of the Dodo bird with streaming and kind of COVID fast forwarding some things, but this is one you have to go see in theaters. Number one, I'll go into the Spider-Verse. It's cheating. Damn it. It's a great movie. The animation, the cinematography of it, it is spectacular. And it is, as the kids like to say, on one. And I'm on my way out for this week and this year. And I'll go ahead and, before we get out of here, be a little more sappy and say, hey, thanks. This is that time to just say, you know, thank you. It's a moment of gratitude here before I go ahead, head on out, and come back in 2022 refreshed, rejuvenated, and recharged. And this show gets better. Over the last year, the, I'll say it, the numbers for this show have been fantastic. They've doubled year over year. And it's because of you, the listener. And I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in and listening to my dumbass for two hours a week. That's saying something. Like, I'll admit it. Like, this year has been a lot of me kind of dealing with a lot of changes and rolling with the punches and realizing hey I put together one hell of a product each and every week you get to hear me just spout off about everything and you tune in and for that I thank you. and I especially thank you because this show's gone through so many changes and so many like different time slots in one year we went from being a show from 11 to one from 9 to 11 then from 10 a.m to noon the show went through so many changes and might be going through more changes? but you've stuck around, and for that, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. 2022 will have even more fun. So until then, we got LSU women's hoops, we got NFL football, and so much more. Catch you on the flip side, or as Michael Scott would say, catch you on the flippity flip. Peace out, everybody.